So the lilies, we hand over to them. Thanks. Morning to our first um, family all-age service of this new year. Uh, you probably remember that sometime last year we focused on Bible baddies. Well, this year, uh, to start the year, we're going to focus on Bible heroes. We're going to read from 2 Kings, chapter 5, and it's the story of Naaman. It's not a very well-known story to the children, possibly. I guess a lot of the adults will know the story of Naaman. And, um, well, we'll just do it, and then we should get the, get the plot. Okay. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And the king of Aram as well. That's the prophet, we're not there yet. (laughs) So Naaman left, taking with him his servant. (laughs) We did practice this. We really did. Okay, Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a fight with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him and said, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and far, far the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? 
Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself into the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So, we're thinking about heroes today. I wondered if anyone had an idea who the hero was in that story. We didn't want to give it away at the beginning of the service. Is anyone brave enough to have a stab as to who they think the hero might be? Who do you think? Fantastic, yes, the prophet. You think Elisha might be the hero. Anybody else? The two servants, so the maid and the servant who um, led him to the Jordan. Anyone else? Yes, because they were brave, yes. Anyone else? Yes. God? Absolutely. It would have to be God today, wouldn't it, really, in church? I mean, I'd have to say that. Anybody else? Anyone think Naaman might be the hero? Well, Naaman, I think, is the kind of classic Hollywood hero, really. He seems to have it all, doesn't he? He's got fame, he's got fortune, he's even got the girl. He's married. The Bible tells us he's married. Uh, It tells us that he's a brave and valiant soldier. That his master, who just happens to be the king of Aram, uh, is is really pleased with him. And uh, so he's really got all these qualities. He's rich. It tells us that when he goes off to see the king of Israel, he takes enormous amounts of money and ten outfits. So, you know, he's obviously, he's a, he's a great guy. He's brave. He's well known. He's famous. He does have a flaw, though, because he has leprosy, which we know is a, some kind of skin condition, which was really extremely difficult to cure. And often people who had leprosy were outcasts. So Naaman must have been pretty amazing because despite the leprosy, he wasn't an outcast. So I think in many ways, he, he is a hero, certainly someone that we classically might think of as uh, having those qualities. Now Elisha, as you said, you said the, um, the prophet. Now Elisha seems to have the qualities of a hero as well, doesn't he? Certainly if we go back to the ones that I noted down we were talking about, he was remarkable. He was brave. He certainly trusted in God and he standed by what he believed to be right. I thought he was incredibly courageous when he sent a messenger to the king of Israel and said, why did you rip your robes? Oh, I don't think I would have um, said to the king, why did you rip your robes? I think I'd have been a bit worried that if I questioned the king on such a small thing, I might get into trouble. But no. Um, Elisha was confident that he could say that. And the greatest thing he was confident in was his standing in God. 
he was able to say, send Naaman to me and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. And he wasn't pointing to himself, was he? He wasn't saying, you know, send him to me because I'm the man. He was saying, I know the man. And when Naaman turned up at the door, he didn't even need to go to the door. He just sent the message knowing that God would do this act. If Naaman took himself and washed him in the waters, then God would cure him. I'm with you though. I think the great heroes in this story are the servants. I think that the the maid was quite incredible. If we think of what the Bible tells us about it, it says that she was taken by bands of, I don't know, soldiers from Aram. She was taken captive and brought to Samaria. She was brought, well, the Bible doesn't tell us she was brought in a group of people. We, we get the impression that she's on her own, that she has no family, that she's certainly out of her homeland and she's in difficult circumstances. She's now placed with a family that she has to uh, follow their directions. But she seems to find good in her circumstances. The Bible tells us that she served her mistress. She also held on to her faith and her knowledge of God. She also seems to have been able to love her master and her mistress, so much so that in her faith she said to uh, her mistress, if only Naaman would go to see the prophet. Because the prophet had this special relationship with God and through the prophet great things were done because God's Holy Spirit was able to work through the prophet. She knew that God would be able to cure Naaman. So she has amazing qualities, I think, of being um, a hero. She is courageous. She stood fast to what she believed in. She must have also been incredibly impressive. I think this, this girl actually was able, by those words, to get Naaman to talk to the king of Aram. This little girl um, caused him to go, and the Bible again says, and he tells the king what this girl had said. He didn't go along and say, you know, I've heard there's an amazing prophet. He says, my servant told me, my girl told me about this prophet and I want to go and see him. So she must have been quite something. And then the servants, the servants at the end, who actually went, it all looked as though it was about to fail because Naaman had, it wasn't what he expected. He wasn't healed the way he was expected. He thought it would be some incredible moment when the prophet came out and waved his hand over him and called down the God of Israel. It was just going to the banks of the river and dipping in water. Well, he could have done that at home. Why did he bother coming here? So it was all going wrong. But the servants had the bravery and the courage to say, wait, listen, if you were told to do something absolutely amazing, you'd do it. How much more then? Go and do what the prophet has said. Go and wash in the water. And because of that, because of their bravery, Again, speaking to their master, not speaking to a friend, speaking to their master, Naaman was healed. So heroes come in all forms, in all shapes and sizes. Some heroes are famous. Some heroes are well known. And what they have done in the past lives on into the future and we know about them. Some heroes are not known by many. 
and what they do not many people hear about but because of the the fact that the maid and the servant held on to the faith they had in God and a most amazing thing happened at the very end Naaman said I now know there is no God except the God of Israel he turned to the only one God and that's something that we as children as adults can hold on to that we can be a hero in the small and that we can do just what God asks us to do to hold on to him and to do as he directs us Okay, so, um, so what do we think in the context of heroes? We've been hearing about this, that this morning, haven't we? Fame, uh, sporting prowess, selfless and exceptional bravery in the face of danger, person giving up their life for others, Superman, Spider-Man, we didn't see Superman or Spider-Man feature, but Mr. and Mrs. Incredible in their family of mini-incredibles. Um, I thought this was a good quote. On, on asked as to how he became a war hero, President John F. Kennedy replied, it was involuntary. They sank my boat. And um, when I was preparing for this, I was trying to think how we could relate this to our lives and, uh, and uh, to, to make it real for us, really. And, um, and what I thought is that, really, I guess that that's the case for all of us, really, isn't it? If, um, you know, we wouldn't say that we go looking for trouble, we, we, don't, we don't go looking for problems and, and difficulties that would sort of present a, a, a situation where we have to sort of take on a heroic type quality. Um, trouble really just comes looking for us, I guess we'd say. But um, I think that the involuntary hero is really where it's all about. It's, it's, it's how do we react to life and all that it throws at us. So um, as we kick off this series, I want to spend a few moments in this talk just looking at the way that we can become heroes for God um, in the ways that we've been talking about. And... Um, Really, when you think about all the Bible heroes that we'll be learning about over the next few months in this series, there'll be uh, many people who, who just were ordinary people, leading ordinary lives. And, um, but it shows that God's used his glory and, and has built his kingdom in some way or other as, as he's brought these people into extraordinary situations and done extraordinary things through them. So, I'm going to read from Hebrews, you'll see it on the screen, I think, yep, brilliant, Um, chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, which which is just a small further reading, which I thought I'd bring this morning, in addition to the Naaman story. If you do want to follow it and you have a church Bible, then it is on page 1202, 1202, and it's entitled, Jesus Greater Than Moses, and it's the first six verses of chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the Apostle and the High Priest, whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house, if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. 
Um, my uh, compact Oxford English Dictionary defines a hero as a person who's admired for their courage and outstanding achievements, or the chief male character in a book or film. Obviously, we can talk about heroines as well. And three, a person of superhuman qualities. So how do we become heroes in God? Well, I would suggest, if I can get this first thing up, yay, it's your calling. It's our calling, I should say. We share in the heavenly calling. If you see the beginning of this, we who share in the heavenly calling. Well, what does that mean? Um, all of us here who've confessed faith in God through Christ have been called by him uh, to a heavenly calling. Uh, it's a calling that comes from heaven and it's a calling that leads to heaven. There we are. Know your status in God. Remember the last year's verse, 1 John 3. How great is the love God has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. But do you really believe that for yourself? If you've ever, had a, uh, ever told a loved one, perhaps a child or your parent or your spouse or a close relative, just how much you love them, how you feel about them, then you're placing them in their rightful position in your sight, aren't you? They're precious and special. And you want to be with them, care for them and want the best for them. Now, God's like that and the Bible tells us again and again that we're his chosen people, his children and his precious ones. Lost but so special that he'll give up everything again to find us. If you're here today and you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian yet you don't have that conviction in your heart as well as that belief in your head that God holds you in his sights in this way then cry out to him, call upon him. Any of us who stand up here from Sunday to Sunday, and I don't do this as a professional speaker, I do it as a privilege once every about six months, I think, but I think we have a duty that we need to make sure that no one goes away from here without having been challenged to seek God and to discover him and find out about his promises and, 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 and our status in his eyes. So uh, wherever you are in your belief or your faith, or your lack of it, uh, there's nothing to lose by crying out to God. And um, if the God you're crying out to is described to you as someone who loves you, who wants you as his child, and can secure your place in heaven with him, uh, then, then that's a good thing. So in order to understand the first aspect of being a hero, know your status in him. Okay. Secondly, we must be faithful once we've um, recognised that God is our Father, our Master, we must be faithful um, to our Master. story of Naaman, um, there's great stories within that, mini stories of faithfulness, aren't there? We, 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 Caroline picked out brilliantly all the various characters in the story, and particularly the servant girl, um, her faithfulness and her trust in God to the extent that she was able to speak out, the prophet Elisha and his faithfulness to God. And uh, finally, Naaman, having had his eyes opened and his body healed, gained a profound understanding of, of God Almighty. And he, although he was a worldly uh, wartime hero, he, 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 he recognised that God was the Almighty and was over him and declared his, his, and confessed him at the end of the story. So in order to stay on the right course and to be ready for the thing that life throws at us, we need to be faithful and keep obedient to God. 
it's hard to carve out time for God. I, I'm going to speak from personal experience here. That I've been challenged very recently by just how immensely important it is to carve out time for God. We can't expect to serve God faithfully and effectively if we don't spend time getting to know him uh, in prayer and through his word. Often I turn away or I, 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 I put my hand up and say, Later, Lord, I'm busy, but I'll find time uh, another time. But I do find that the days when I do spend time in prayer and reading the Bible make an enormous difference to my level of faithfulness. And I'm sure that everyone here uh, who struggles with that can testify to that as well. So, um, we all have good intentions, don't we? We all want to love the Lord, we all want to pray, uh, we all want to read his word, we want to get more into our lives, and we want to make sure that there's less room for the things that don't satisfy and even for the things that cause us harm. Uh, One thing I'm learning is that there's no formula that suddenly injects an enormous amount of willpower into us. Uh, You just have to do it. You just have to do it, and you have to be disciplined about it and say, I'm going to do it. And when you do, it brings great blessings. So once we've got into the habit of being faithful to God in prayer, reading his word, things start to happen, don't they? All sorts of things start to happen. Good things, yeah. Blessings, yeah. But also not so good things. Um, You know, we may see some of the things that happen to us uh, as as the very opposite of blessings. Um, There's a non-exhaustive list here of, of, of things that I was thinking about when I was preparing for this, um, you see opportunities opening up to tell others about the Lord. That's a good thing. Your hearts and minds are being tuned into God's way of thinking. Being closer to God will make you more sensitive to the things that offend God uh, because they offend us as well. How often do we spend time looking at the TV news or reading a newspaper through God's eyes? If we do find ourselves weeping literally, then I would suggest that uh, that's because we're reading uh, and seeing these things through God's, God's eyes and, and being attuned to how he sees these things to an extent. You'll become more sensitive to those around you, their hurts and feelings, ready to minister to them through God's grace flowing through you. You'll grow in wisdom and insight as God pours out his spirit and wisdom. On the downside, you will indeed experience spiritual attack. Remember the devil's a prowler, he looks to destroy anyone who's actually starting to become effective for him. We're a legitimate target for Satan to attack because we're soldiers in the enemy army and it's warfare. You may start to face hardship of all kinds such as persecution. This is what we're to expect. The Bible tells us this is what we're to expect. Um, Caroline and I, I hope you don't think badly of us for this, but we were watching Jonathan Ross on Friday evening. Um, we were, I know, <clears throat> I, was, I was partly interested in, in seeing how he may have adopted a more restrained approach in the light of his recent um, misdemeanour. And, and I, I think he probably did, although I didn't really watch him all that much before. But Eddie Izzard was one of his guests, who's a stand-up comedian, well-known for uh, a little bit more increasingly now for his serious Hollywood acting. And uh, I found myself really struck by something that he said. He said that during a discussion about doing his stand-up routine comedy in front of US audiences and how it went down particularly in the south of the US in in some of the more um, religious areas, um, after making several references to God in the context of his belief that he doesn't exist, he then said, referred quite blatantly to those audiences who were not Bible bashers as the socially progressive audiences. 
Uh, and that's the thing, isn't it? Um, when you get closer to God, the more stark it will be that in terms of what the world's thinking, God is out of fashion. He's out of fashion with the world in many quarters. He's disapproved of. He's accused of being bigoted and backward thinking and the labels that people attach to their perception of God will be the same labels as they attach to us. And we become increasingly close to God. We must expect ridicule and scoffing from time to time and we may even be marginalised. It says in, in 1 Peter 4 verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. Though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you, but don't expect life to become a breeze and rather expect every kind of trouble as well as blessing. Um, and I guess that, just concluding that second section, really what I'm trying to say is that it's not that those things don't happen to us when we are uh, away from God or not so close to God or not even believing in God, but I think that it makes us sensitive to those things. We, we, they, they come into sharper focus and we, we then begin to have to struggle with how to deal with them. The one thing that I, um, I'll just try and be my, th- there we are, great. The one thing I, that I really felt the Lord lay, laying on my heart as I was preparing for this is this third um, section here. Courage and perseverance are all hallmarks of God's children. They're all heroic qualities. And um, a repeating theme of some of the qualities of a hero is that of bravery and courage. There's been much news breaking in the world, in the nation and locally and a lot of it bad news, there's lots of sadness around at at the moment and and a lot of that has impacted upon people here personally uh, and in terms of death, serious illness and combined with this there's a sickness in the nation and the wider world which although is ever present seems to be exacerbated now by increasing anxiety caused by the threat to the levels of comfort that we've enjoyed in recent years certainly we here in the West anyway and it's, it's threatening to cause us loss and damage and we feel vulnerable about that. And I just felt that God was really saying to me when I, he was wanting me to speak this morning that he wanted to build us up and encourage us with words of reassurance. And some reminders about courage and bravery in times of distress and adversity when things all around us appear to be crumbling or when we actually feel that despair is setting in. And it's easy still as Christians to, to sometimes just lapse into a feeling of despair and it's amazing sometimes to see how resilient people can be in the face of adversity even without the Lord and what I wanted to say this morning was how much more extraordinarily resilient can we be if we have Almighty God on our side Um, and we just need to arm ourselves for 
um, for what life throws at us. And so remembering those first two points about knowing our status in God, we must be faithful to our Master. I just want to conclude um, by, by commenting that life isn't, it's not a Disney Pixar or a DreamWorks production like we've, we've just been seeing earlier on. Um, this is real life. And, and God is real and he's almighty and he's everlasting and he's already won the battle over sin and death. And um, he's defeated Satan and Satan's just in his death throes now. So uh, God hasn't left us unarmed, he hasn't left us helpless. Those weapons he employed to defeat Satan are still available to us. So I'm going to just finish um, with two passages and I'm not going to say any more beyond those. I just want us to, to listen carefully to these and then I'm going to, uh, and then I'm going to, um, to pray. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. And finally, Romans 8, verse 35 onwards, who, can, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as, as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus.